Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, as this is a pregame edition of Sox Machine Live, streaming before the Chicago White Sox and Anaheim Angels game on Thursday, August 15th. Uh, and a, a pregame stream, I think, should be a fun time. We don't get an opportunity to do pregame shows often uh, with Sox Machine Live or with the podcast. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening before the White Sox and Angels square off at 9 o'clock p.m. Central Time. As will be a late nighter for most of us, they'll be staying up to watch the game even later. For the co-host of the podcast and managing editor of SoxMachine.com, Jim Margulis, as uh, living on the East Coast, Jim, I uh, I imagine there's nothing better than staying up until 1 a.m. for a White Sox game. Well, I hope it's only 1 a.m. Sometimes uh, <laughs> throwing some extra innings or some very yeah, a lot of pitching changes or whatnot, it bleeds into 1.30, 2 o'clock. So I'm fi- keeping my fingers crossed for one. But yeah, it's, it's uh, only one, you know, a couple days a year. Um, you know, spread out pretty evenly. So it would be really annoying if it were like, say, if I were an Angels fan or something like that and I had to <laughs> stay up at till uh, 10, uh, 10 p.m. every single game. But for a couple weekends a year, it's fine. As the White Sox, again, heading to Anaheim, they are 54 and 65 on the season. And if it wasn't for that terrible 20 game stretch after the All Star break where they went 4 and 16. Maybe this team would be flirting with 500 again if they played 500 ball after the All-Star break. Alas, they still have some ground to make up. Uh, but after starting their grueling 30-game stretch, with, they are currently 3-3 three and three during this 30-game stretch, losing the series against Oakland, but winning the series over the Houston Astros. And the White Sox now face a struggling Angels team that has lost eight of their last 
11 games. And for that Houston Astros series, just quickly recapping that, it was supposed to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but Monday got rained out and Tuesday became a doubleheader. And in game one, Dylan Cease held his own, but Wellington Castillo couldn't hold much of anything behind home plate. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, in game two, Ivan Nova continued his excellent second half, uh, pitching another complete game. And in game three was a barn burner with the White Sox winning 13-9 as both teams combined for 30 hits. And the game-winning hit was James McCann's eighth-inning grand slam that just got over the right field wall into the opposing bullpen. Such an odd series against Houston, Jim. Really unexpected performances from Nova and the White Sox offense. But hey, that's why they play the games. We have discussed quite a bit about the offense in the last couple of weeks uh, because it has been a poor showing from the entire team offensively. But coming off a 13-run game, is that finally a spark to hopefully seeing a good stretch at the plate? Well, you know, it's good. You know, there's no arguing against 13 runs. I think, you know, it comes against Wade Miley, a lefty, uh, who they've hit well before and and really have literally hit him before. I thought it was funny when he flipped that uh, ball over the catcher on what was yet another safety squeeze attempt by the White Sox. Um, Yeah. It brought back memories when he was at the Orioles and the White Sox smoked him with two consecutive line drives and knocked him out of the game. They seemed to give him a hard time. Oh my gosh, I forgot yeah. about that game. So they, 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 I think they just torment him a little bit. And they're okay against left-handed pitching. They have some good bats against them. You know, you have Tim Anderson from his strong side. Uh, you have uh, you know, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, sees lefties better than he sees righties. Wellington Castillo is better against lefties. Um, you know, Yolmer Sanchez in a, in a weird turn is better against lefties this year so it's a decent lineup against lefties it's uh when they face a strong string of righties as we saw with uh um as we saw with oakland where they they can get in trouble and they can shut down and and i think that's what they need to show and missing garrett cole or or garrett cole uh asking out of this white Sox series because of hamstring uh troubles you know that that really worked in their favor i did not hear anything afterwards about garrett cole did he go on the injured list I don't think so. I think they're trying to avoid it. Okay. Really, I mean, there's no. I mean, if you went on the injured list, I think it would be precautionary at best because I mean they don't really have to worry about the division. So, I, I would I would think if I were writing you know a Houston Astros blog, I might say, oh, you know, put them on the injured list. There's no no reason not to at this point. Right. And currently, as we look at the scoreboard, the Cleveland Indians are crushing the New York Yankees twelve to one. Uh, so the race that the Astros are currently in, I mentioned the Yankees game because the Yankees and Astros are competing for home field advantage in the American League. And I know every mm. game would it would mean a lot for either team to get home field advantage. But as Jim mentioned, with the Houston Astros having a big lead in the American League West where they have a nine and a half game lead over the Oakland Athletics. I agree with you, Jim. It would make sense to put Garrett Cole on the injured list right now. Sounds like, yeah, sounds like Hinch says he's good to go for next week. Okay. Interesting. Uh, The Astros are two games behind the Yankees uh, for home field advantage throughout the American league. Now back to the White Sox offense in the month of August, we are witnessing four really good starts to the month. And it starts with Tim Anderson, who's currently hitting 393, slugging 554 as he's got six doubles. He has 10 strikeouts, but he has walked twice. Jose Abreu's hitting 368 with a five with a 431 on base percentage and slugging 561 with five doubles, two homers. 
He's got 10 strikeouts too, but he's walked six times. Remember, he only walked twice in the month of June and July. So walking six times in August is far better than what he was doing in the previous months of the summer. James McCann is hitting 359 with the Grand Slam, slugging 513. And Wellington Castillo is hitting 348 with a 375 on base percentage and slugging 565 so far in August. Yes, it is a small sample size. But Castillo is hitting well in August, even though his season numbers overall are terrible again. Zach Collins and Yerma Mercedes are still raking in Charlotte. As a matter of fact, Collins had another home run after hitting two home runs uh, the previous game. And fans want to know, why is Castillo still around? Why are the White Sox still carrying him on the roster when there are plenty of options down at AAA to give those guys a run in a season that wins don't really matter for the White Sox and they can get a head start in learning a little bit more about their prospects? But Jim, you wrote more about this topic, especially taking an in-depth look at the situation surrounding Wellington Castillo at SoxMachine.com. What was your conclusion on why Rick Hahn hasn't moved away from Wellington Castillo? I think it's out of courtesy to pitchers and maybe James McCann, uh, just because the catchers that they have at Charlotte right now, I think Zach Collins, based on how they're handling him, what they said, what Rick Hahn said uh, after Collins was sent back to the Charlotte, that he that Collins learned from his major league experience, that's his method of hitting or his approach or how he held his hands or his stance or whatever you know he's working on was not uh, sufficient to hitting major league pitching. They basically feasted on him, uh, picked on him, and uh, embarrassed him a little bit. And that was enough for Collins to have a, a bit of a come to Jesus moment and head back to Charlotte and, and implement some changes. And so far, those are are looking pretty good. Although, yeah, everybody looks pretty good at Charlotte, but he's. Uh, I think he's both impacting the ball and making more of an effort to be more active in plate appearances to where he's not having so much of a three true outcomes uh, uh, results with his Charlotte uh, numbers right now. So, you know, that is working out. And I think, you know, maybe the White Sox just want to make sure that uh, he doesn't, that he forms good habits, that he totally gets out of his bad habits, that whatever he he, uh, was working out of, that he, you know, those are all behind him and that you know one bad week doesn't send him spiraling to what used to feel good so I, I can see the the slow play with Collins and I think after that you know Sebi Zavala can't hit the majors um yeah I think he's going to have some serious uh he's, he's at a crossroads a little bit especially if the White Sox trying to figure out what your mean Mercedes uh can do and Mercedes he can hit I think and I would like to see if he stands a chance against major league pitching but really isn't much of a catcher. So I think, you know, if you throw in a, a guy like Mercedes who um, doesn't really have a reputation for handling pitchers well, um, I, I don't know if you want to foist that upon pitchers who are developing, even though Castillo's catcher's ERA is worse than McCann's. And, you know, that you saw the three pass balls with Dylan Cease on the mound. Um, you know, he's not really the best presence behind the plate. He still knows what he's doing more so than the rookie catcher. So, um, I'm guessing it's not perfect, and if Collins were, I guess, more entrenched in his new approach, he might be in the majors right now, and Castillo either might be a bench bat or uh, or waived right now, but I think for the time being, they might wait until September 1st for Collins to come back. Just catch the damn ball. That's all I ask. <laughs> the three pass balls are inexcusable. Yeah, I'm hoping that was like the weird start time and the low sun and the, and the, and the shiny batter's eye that uh, was doing it for him because you don't see many 340 start times and um but i guess we'll find out next time out uh you know just how bad his receiving was we'll find out tonight 
he is going to be behind the plate catching okay. Lopez. So we'll okay. we'll get to previewing that game and go through the starting lineups. Uh, but, you know, another popular talking point after the Astros series, especially after Tuesday night, was Ivan Nova's start against Houston with the complete game. And there are some White Sox fans getting out in front, especially on Twitter, arguing for the team to bring Nova back in 2020. Again, Nova is a free agent after the season. And when you look at his second half in seven starts, Nova has a 2.27 ERA with two complete games and 47.2, I'm sorry, 47 two thirds innings pitched. And, you know, the strikeouts are low. He's not striking out a lot of hitters. Uh, There's a lot of contact, but not a lot of hard contact. And according to baseballreference.com, for the season, Ivan Nova is at 2.2 wins above replacement. This is his best season, according to Baseball Reference, since 2013 with the New York Yankees, where he was a 3.3 WAR pitcher. Jim Nova is 33 next season, and again, he does not strike out a lot of hitters. So I don't imagine that he would be very expensive in the open market. But he's getting the job done for the White Sox, and dare I say, he's looking much better than James Shields did last year. How likely is it that the White Sox would entertain bringing in Ivan Nova back? I don't think he would be their first choice. I could see a situation where, you know, let's just say Garrett Cole. It's not going to be Garrett Cole, but let's just say Garrett Cole in terms of aspiration, trying to find a either top of the rotation or top two of the rotation who can miss bats and uh, offer, um, you know, dominant stretches. Let's say Garrett Cole is their top choice and they would need somebody like him to be like the masthead of the rotation. Uh, They still might need a fifth starter. I mean, Michael Kopech is coming back from Tommy John surgery, but as we've seen with uh, various cases like Zach Birdie and Nate Jones and Mike Rodolfo, the White Sox really haven't mastered Tommy John surgery rehab, so you don't want to put him on a really aggressive timetable, even though he theoretically should be ready for opening day. And, you know, it it makes sense for the White Sox to, you know, if they're reintegrating him back into competitive play to, you know, have him start the season in Charlotte and and make sure that he gets up and down fine and maintains his velocity inning to inning. So I can see him starting the year in Charlotte. And so if you need five starters and you need two guys who aren't uh, Lopez and Giolito and Cease, you know, it's possible that he comes back. Um, It's weird with the strikeout rate. His strikeout rate is 14%. Um, he, he never really struck out guys to begin with, but it's his lowest strikeout rate since uh, 2014. In his 2013 uh, season, you mentioned he, he struck out 20% of the batters he faced, so he's doing it a completely different way. Uh, the one thing with his, his success is, I'm, I'm looking at his August stats, he's got eight strikeouts in 22 innings, but he's only allowed uh, 20 base runners. So I think, you know, when you look at his strikeout rate, you know, there's some guys who have low strikeout rates in these weird small samples because they don't just don't face a lot of batters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some guys will get a chance to strike out two batters in an inning because they, you know, gave up three hits and they face seven batters and they got to get them out somehow. So that striking out's the way they do it. But when he faces, you know, three batters, four batters in an inning, as he's been doing this in this little stretch, you know, you just get them out however you get them out. And uh, you don't really have to think about, um, you know, bearing down and, and, and worrying about contact. You just uh, let him put the ball in play until he get in trouble. He's just not getting in trouble. So, you know, I think it's a little bit, uh, yeah, I think he is not missing bets. Uh, uh, but also I think it's just, he hasn't been forced to, or he hasn't been forced to get too creative. He's just hitting the spots and getting grounders and lucking out a little bit with the, with the harder hit balls, finding gloves, but he's been in control. It does sound like he is a good influence on Ronaldo Lopez from what we are hearing about in the clubhouse, trying to influence Ronaldo to try to speak more English, 
during his media interviews as that helps as far as being able to connect to fans, all fans. Uh, and, you know, he mentioned that he's got three pitching coaches and one of those pitching coaches is Ronaldo Lopez. So it seems like, uh, you know, Nova is Lopez's mentor. And we'll talk more about Ronaldo Lopez when we preview uh, tonight's start. But the duo of Nova and Lopez, Jim, have really completely turned around their seasons, uh, especially in the second half. Yeah, it's it's, you know, I'm I'm thinking back to James Shields and how we heard about James Shields being such an influence on Lucas Giolito and, and Dylan Cease. And, you know, Giolito basically had to rework his entire thing with pitching coaches. You don't really hear James Shields' name come up much, much anymore when it comes to, uh, you know, Giolito's success or, or Dylan Cease's season. So I think when it comes to the, um, you know, impact veteran starters can make, I think it's real. You know, I think there's something to learn, learn about facing hitters, going about your preparation, learning from you know, how to bounce back from failure and, and uh, you know, how to make changes inning to inning. So I think there's something to it, but I think when it comes to the big picture, um, you know, year to year, carrying, bringing a guy back because of relationship, you know, as Giolito shows, people do move on. And uh, I'm sure Shields helped him out in a lot of ways, but succeeding wasn't necessarily one of them. And, um, as we've seen with without Shields back and Giolito having a breakout season, you know, I don't think that should really be too big of a consideration, just more of a bonus than an actual driving factor. My early prediction is that the New York Yankees will sign Ivan Nova this offseason, replacing, taking over CeCe Sabathia's role in the starting rotation, being that fifth starter. Yeah, and that's kind of funny just because uh, Nova points to Sabathia a lot as somebody who he learned the craft from and, and learned to... Uh, You'll be a lighthearted presence in the dugout and and not take failures uh, too much to heart because, uh, you know, it's a long season. It doesn't do any good. And so he he points to Sabathia as a role model in many ways. Yeah. And again, Nova will be 33 years old. So if he wants a chance to make it into the postseason and possibly get a World Series reign, I mean, hey, you know, the New York Yankees would be a great option for him. And and like I said, I mean, the Yankees have been pretty strategic as far as their spending. I don't think they're going to be someone that goes after someone like Garrett Cole. Uh, but I could see like a one-year deal with Ivan Nova. I just don't see Nova coming back to the White Sox in 2020. Uh, again, I think Nova will join a team like the Yankees, a, a good team that needs a veteran presence to be their fifth starter. Um, but it is pretty interesting to see how well Nova's been pitching despite not getting a lot of strikeouts. And again, uh, I'm sure the White Sox, especially Rick Hahn, will entertain all options to help fill the need at starting pitching for next season. Now, we did touch on the fact that Ronaldo Lopez has been also looking great in the second half. And we are going to be previewing tonight's game between the White Sox and the Angels here in a moment But before we preview that game and the series itself over the weekend, a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way in buying tickets. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you are looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. A quick look at the app store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews, which is terrific customer satisfaction. 
And the way that SeatGeek works, again, they pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and they display them on an interactive seat map. So you have a good understanding of what the view looks like from the seat you're about to buy. And SeatGeek breaks down the details. The green dots are good deals. The red dots are overpriced. And I use SeatGeek all the time to buy tickets, especially going to White Sox games for our listeners out in Los Angeles, which is our third most popular market, by the way, Jim, for this podcast. And if you guys decide at the last minute, I want to go catch the White Sox in Anaheim, go to SeatGeek as you will find great deals for this weekend's game. And the best part is, is that SeatGeek will get you $10 off your first purchase. All you have to do is just download the SeatGeek app today on your smartphone and use promo code SOXMACHINE. That's promo code SOXMACHINE for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. And again, the Angels are 59 and 63 on the season. They are fourth place in the American League West. In their last 10 games, they have only won three of them. They are three and seven. They did win in their previous game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. At home, the Angels are a 500 team. They are 30 and 30. And pitching tonight for the teams, it is Ronaldo Lopez against left hander Andrew Heaney. And the White Sox lineup for tonight. Leading off at third base will be Lurie Garcia. Batting second at shortstop will be Tim Anderson. Batting third at first base is Jose Abreu. Batting cleanup at DH is James McCann. Batting fifth and left field is Aloy Jimenez. Batting sixth, catching is Wellington Castillo. Batting seventh at second base, Yomer Sanchez. Batting eighth, center field, Adam Engel. And batting ninth at right field is Ryan Cordell. Heaney is coming off the injured list with shoulder inflammation, so tonight will be his first start. He is a three-pitch pitcher throwing a sinker curve and change with those pitches in order of the mount thrown. And Heaney does have a, you know, he's been good generating a lot of swing and misses. He's got a 30.6 whip percentage in 2019 compared to Lopez's 23.8%. But back to Ronaldo Lopez, Jim. In six games started in the second half, Lopez has a 2.13 ERA. Over 38 innings pitched, he has struck out 37 batters, walked 14, but he's only allowed one home run in his last six starts. Can Lopez continue his hot surge tonight? Well, it's going to be fun. Um, I, I like watching the Angels play, and, and they're always a team I think uh, they're going to do better than they actually do. Um, part of its injuries, they have a hard time keeping pitchers healthy, but their lineup, you know, especially Trout and Otani being back and hitting the ball really well, they have some guys who can who can lift and elevate. So it's going to be a test for him, and I think Trout usually fares well. I mean, he fares well against everybody, but I think he's he's had moment, moments against the White Sox. So uh, I think you, know, you could see him get a couple homers, but... They've been struggling. The Angels have, and and uh, struggling to get on base and in some areas. So I can hopefully solo shots. I'm thinking. I, mean, I, I think he's going to give up two, but I think they're going to be solo shots. Two tonight. You're you're going with two home runs. Lopez will give up. Yep. Oh man. A little bit of regression. And, but not bad. Just I think that might be the form of damage it takes. So Mike Trout has the largest contract in all of sports at $430 million. And the first thing that I look up when I Google Mike Trout is his new home in Newport Beach that he just bought. $9.15 million. Man, how awesome would it be to be terrific at baseball and buy a $9 million home, Jim? Yeah. I know your your house is up there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. It's about, just doing the math real quick, probably about 80 of my houses. <laughs> well you know what take it uh yeah so trout this year on baseball reference his war is 7.7 7. 
his career war is already at 71.9. His OPS plus, which is uh, very similar to his weighted runs created plus is at 185. And his OPS is at 1.093. And because of his season, for his career, he has a 1,000 OPS now, Jim. So it's like if Mike Trout retired, obviously he would be a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. But a 1,000 OPS in today's game, uh, for someone to have that in the career, for someone who's played as long as Mike Trout, I mean, this is his ninth season, is just incredible. And he's got to be the American League MVP, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, as long as he stays reasonably healthy the rest of the way. But I think, you know, they, they've, I've seen people like Chris Kampka and others, you know, stack his numbers. He's basically Frank Thomas who plays center field. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Just, and, and you just picture that and you just picture how good Thomas was and how enjoyable it was to watch him play every day. And then you just picture him like being able to run and steal, you know, 20 bases a year and hit 40 home. Just, yeah, it's, it blows your mind. And, and they, you know, people make arguments for him being, you know, the best player who's ever played. And it's hard to argue with it right now. Just his, his, you know, not the best hitter who ever hit, but uh, when you just think of how he's been playing since day one, basically, um, and, and the values provided and, and being, you know, the perhaps, uh, you know, I would say maybe top five center fielder, especially in the American league. Um, he's not like Andrew Jones good, but he's, nobody's going to move him off the position anytime soon. So yeah, it's just, he's, it's fun watching him play. And, and uh, yeah, the, one of the nice things about a rebuilding season like this is that, uh, you know, if Trout kicks your ass, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's neat to see, uh, you know, the greatest players doing great things. Yeah. Cody Bellinger hit his 40th home run of the season today, breaking a tie with Mike Trout. Trout came in tied for the league lead in home runs. He already has 39 home runs. And he's one of the league leaders in walks. He's already walked 96 times. I don't think there's a White Sox hitter this season that's going to come even close to 96 walks. I don't think there's anybody with a third of his total. Oh, don't tell me that, Jim. That I No, I'm not looking that up. Not looking that up. Staying positive. Uh, <laughs> Trout's on base percentage for the season uh, is 439, which would be the lowest yeah. that he's had since 2015. Yeah, Yohan Mankata leads away with 31 walks. I, McCott, well, how? He's not even walking that much this year. Not like last year. You know who's second? Yonder Alonso. We're done. We're not looking at walks. <laughs> We're that. No. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Trout has more than three times as many walks as the White Sox walk leader. <laughs> oh, man. That's just one of those stats. You have to laugh at it. You gotta laugh. You have to laugh at it because teams are so afraid of facing Mike Trout, right? That you put him on base all the time and he can still burn you, but he's still one of the league leaders in home runs. It's just, it's simply incredible. So that's going to be one of the things I'll be watching. And hopefully Ronaldo Lopez finds a way to maneuver around Mike Trout, uh, at least limit the damage and keep the White Sox in the game because facing Andrew Heaney, Heaney is, this is going to be his fourth career start against the White Sox and it's been spread out over the years. He made two starts in 2015 and he made one start last year, but he has previous success against the White Sox in 18 and two thirds innings. He's only allowed three earned runs last year in his start against the White Sox. He was incredible. Seven scoreless innings, only allowing three hits, walking none and striking out 12. But as you mentioned, Jim, before earlier in the show, the White Sox are having some success offensively against left-handed pitching. And even though Heaney has this past success against the White Sox, and he is coming off the injured list with shoulder inflammation. 
How do you think the offense will handle Heaney tonight, uh, a lefty that throws mainly a 93-mile-per-hour sinker? I, I think, uh, you know, when he, when he had earlier success against the White Sox, he was that, like, lefty changeup artist who tended to give the White Sox fits. Anybody in that profile, uh, I guess Tommy Malone might be, like, the archetype of the unimpressive lefty who the White Sox cannot figure out. You know, Heaney was in that mold, and now he's throwing a bit harder, throwing the sinker more often, but he's getting away from his changeup. So if you think that he's just like sinker slider now, and and uh, also he might be a little bit limited in effectiveness because of the shoulder uh, issue and you know, rehabbing from that, I think they have a shot. Um, they, they've had better at-bats, and they just, they're able to stack righties. Like, you know, they, they can't really stack lefties. Um, against a, a good right-handed pitcher, but against a decent lefty, they can uh, make them sweat. So yeah, I, I think that they can they can break out of it tonight. So I think there are going to be some runs tonight, basically. But when you look at uh, you know Lopez, I feel like there's going to be some regression for him. But on the other hand, I think they can do the same for Heaney. I think there's going to be a lot of runs opportunities, a lot of run opportunities this weekend for both teams, uh, especially as far as the Saturday matchup. So let's take a look at the rest of the weekend series between the White Sox and the Angels on Friday. Again, 9.07 p.m. Central Time start. It is Lucas Giolito on the mound for the White Sox against Patrick Sandoval, who will be making his second career start for the Angels. So an opportunity for the White Sox facing someone that's still pretty green on Saturday, 8.07 p.m. Central Time start. Possibly Hector Santiago that has not been confirmed yet for the White Sox, but he is lined up to make that start against Jose Suarez, who's making his fourth start with the Angels this season. And on Sunday at 3.07 p.m. Central Time, it is the Battle of the Rookies. Dylan Cease against Griffin Cannon. Uh, Should be a fun game. But again, the White Sox for the rest of the series, Jim, uh, are facing new pitchers that they really haven't faced before. Is that going to be a disadvantage for this White Sox offense? I don't think so. I think they've been, you know, I would have to look it up, but I think they've had more success against these kind of anonymous rookies than they've had in the past because I remember that being a common complaint. So anytime they face, you know, they, they have some success against a relatively obscure pitcher, I file it away. So I have to look it up. I think they've been faring okay in that regard. But Suarez, you mentioned him and 15 homers and 49 innings. They've given a lot of homers. Uh, the Angels have so and they also don't have you know looking at their innings totals they've just had to use a lot of pitchers for whatever reason like whatever the uh, Angels have they just cannot keep pitchers healthy but yeah uh, down the line yeah 23 homers and 84 innings for Cahill 16 over 96 for Pena 15 over 49 for Suarez 14 over 51 for Barilla 14 it's just like they, they've got homers so I think uh, I'm hoping that uh, you know Abreu and Jimenez and and even, you know, Wellington, you know, can keep it going because, you know, Castillo's been hitting for power recently, and I think he is, you know, he was always, you know, there's no good reason why he should be hitting under 200 the whole season, so I think there is some regression for him uh, taking the positive way. But, uh, yeah, elsewhere, I think uh, this is a time to eat a little bit. I think the White Sox are going to have a good weekend in Anaheim. I think they can win three out of four. And when I posted this Twitter poll on how many games the White Sox win this weekend, 62% of our fans listeners said two. They thought the White Sox could split. And I could see that with Friday and Saturday. I'm sorry, Thursday and Friday with Lopez and Giolito on the mound. 
uh, going in the White Sox favor. And then Saturday, uh, I'm, I'm really iffy on Saturday. Uh, and Sunday, we'll see if Dylan Cease can hold his own. I mean, what a great test for Cease going up against Houston, holding his own even though walks were an issue. And then his next start, he's facing the best hitter on the planet in Mike Trout. Great learning opportunity for him, and we'll see how he handles that as we recap the series on Monday's Sox Machine podcast. But is there anything else that you are paying attention to in this four-game series for the White Sox, Jim? Well, um, I'm looking it up uh, because I have the vague recollection that uh, the White Sox generally don't play well in Anaheim. And yes, since uh, 2016, they're 2-8 and eight in Anaheim. 7-14 uh, against the Angels overall, but 2-8 and eight in Anaheim. So that's why I that's what keeps me from being a little bit... Uh, I, I guess from going three to four, even though I think, you know, the offense is there and the angels are limping themselves and, um, you know, it's a good time to play them. So I can see where you're coming from, but just, uh, I would be more inclined to say two. And, and I'm going to say that, or I'm hoping that's not going to be the case, but it seems like the white Sox bullpen is wobbling a little bit. I think Evan Marshall's been, uh, uh, you know, his, his run is like a, a decent seventh inning reliever is, you know, in jeopardy. And Jimmy Cordero is trying to step in and replace him, but he's had a little, a little bit of a rough time, uh, a couple outings in a row. So I could see like the late innings being a bit of a mess for both teams. And uh, <laughs> I could see, um, you know, kind of like the Astros game, uh, you know, the, the finale of the Astros series, but uh, in Anaheim this time, just some some sloppy ends. And uh, if the White Sox can, you know, like they do with the Astros, just take a team and drag them down to their level and just get in the mud. <laughs> you know, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting more of this season. Just uh, some some iffy pitching, but some good offense and just some ugly slugfests. And I think if they have more of those games the rest of the way, that's that's a pretty good sign. Need the White Sox to be alligators. Yeah. Get their prey, drag it in the water, drag it into the mud. Snap its neck and drown it. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about the snapping of the neck. So let's not get too violent. Yeah. But... Uh, it's uh, Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when obviously if like Giolito starting games that end up 13 and nine, that's not a good sign, but you know, with Cease being a rookie and, and, you know, Nova, you know, being somebody who's contact prone and having a mystery fifth starter, you know, there are some opportunities for some ugly games and, uh, yeah. So, but I, I think ultimately if they just score more runs, especially against righties, I think that's what I'm looking for basically the rest of the season is just more of a fight against right-handed pitching. Well, hopefully the White Sox have a great night with Ronaldo Lopez on the mound. We hope that they have a great weekend as well as, again, we'll be recapping the Angels and White Sox series on Monday because after this trip in Anaheim, the White Sox hop on a plane and they go to Minneapolis for a really critical series for the Twins. Every series from the rest of the season for the Twins is very critical for them as they are in a battle with the Cleveland Indians for the top of the American League Central. So that would be a pretty pivotal series as the White Sox get an opportunity to play spoiler against the Minnesota Twins as we'll preview that series also on Monday's Sox Machine podcast. But that will do it for this edition of Sox Machine Live. We hope that you enjoyed the pregame edition. Again, we don't get an opportunity to do this often, so it's always fun to serve as a pregame show before the White Sox play as again the White Sox and Angels first pitch is at 9.07 p.m. Central Time and you can watch that game on NBC Sports Chicago or listen to it at 7.20 a.m. WGN. And that will do it for Sox Machine Live. Thank you guys so much for listening to the live stream at Mixler.com slash Sox Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to ever listen to the live streams, no worries. The recordings of each show are uploaded into the podcast feed. 
which you can subscribe to the show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and audioboom.com slash machine. You can also help support the site and show by becoming a friend at patreon.com slash machine. Socks Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Pop some new cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. 50% more cleaning power. New cascade does it better. 50% more cleaning power. New cascade does it cleaner. Switch to new cascade platinum with 50% more cleaning power. No need to rinse your dishes and it's even strong enough for the quick wash cycle. New Cascade Platinum. Pop some new cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com/safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.